Shows coming at you with episode 23 of our podcast. And it's been a while since we've gotten together just us two to do this. So I hope that you guys have not been angrily waiting. Yeah, like with bated breath for us to talk to each other about nerdy book things. Yeah. So today our topic is genre fiction and some of the issues that surround it. And how people perceive genre fiction versus literature with a capital L, mind you. Yes. So. Yes, capital L literature. And we also are accompanied by all the snacks today. Yes. So apologies for any crunching, but we had a snack situation that happened. And yes, it was really important. Yeah. This is what happens when you don't start podcasting right away and, and chat sit for and two chat hours for two hours before you get going. Not podcast topics before <laughs> hitting the record so button. We ate a bunch of donuts and now we have. <laughs> and then we talked so much that we got hungry, we're hungry again. again. Um, I have guacamole and Laura has popcorn and it's all good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free to eat along yeah, with while you're listening. Yeah, please. Snackle, it's better with snack. I saw someone posted, I can't remember if it was like on iTunes or somewhere else. It might have been on Twitter. And they said that they felt like um, when they listened to our podcast, it was like hanging out with their friends and chatting about books and being nerdy. And like, and if you were to do that to really get the, isn't that the sweetest compliment? It uh-huh. really like made my day. Uh-huh. I have to say, and um, and if you really want to get that full effect, you do need to snack. Yeah, because um, Eric, uh, Sarah, and I are very good at snacking. Yes, this is Eric true. Eric is my husband, and he is also very good at snacking. <laughs> my husband. We have a snack shelf in our house. So, <laughs> which interestingly also is where we keep the tea. Just to have everything. Like, I think tea and snacks. You yeah. Know, isn't that like a thing in like the UK? Yeah. And stuff? Yeah. Tea time, snack time. Yeah. Thing. So we've got like, and I kind of have it organized. I have it organized in a weird. Okay. Shocker. I have it organized in a weird way. <laughs> but it works for you. Yeah. So that's all that matters. <laughs> Keep in mind, one of our our discussions before we started recording was about how I color code my pens. So I mean. <laughs> Remind yourself, never ever give Sarah a red pen. <laughs> Did I look at you like you lost your mind when you started to hand me the red pen? And you're like, not the red one. <laughs> I was just like, oh, so pink, orange, green, blue, or black. Many of those are acceptable, but not red. That is that is like my urgent high priority pen. <laughs> it's I guess I guess that's not normal. Whatever works for you. Yeah. Yeah. I have my own ways of prioritizing things that don't involve web pens, but I'm sure they're weird too. Yeah. So anyway, back on our topic. Um, We were interested in, I I don't even know where this has been. Like I keep sending Laura, Laura, like this is where all of our, this is some, this is the secret of successful podcasts. Be inspired by the angry text messages you send in the middle of the night. Like, yeah. did you see this thing? Um, and uh, or be inspired by like random things Laura thinks about while she's alone. Yeah, about. Yeah, that's <laughs> your job, and really like gives you a chance to like have random crap pop yeah. into your brain. It seems like it's kind of meditative. Yeah, it seems really cool. That I, don't, way. I don't really see why I have anything to meditate about besides books. So. <laughs> not, I'm not really interested in a lot of other things. Like, not like the human condition? Uh, well, during football season, I'll think about football. <laughs> and how much my team sucks and how that makes me sad. 
Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so, what we were interested, I mean, there's just so much to sort of unpack in this subject. And I know it's, int- it's sort of intentionally broad because it's sort of spawned from a number of conversations we've had. Um, and some of it comes from the discussion of when we see things being put as X is literature and Y is fluff. And you see that happen a lot. And trying to figure out, I'm doing hand gestures right now, which you cannot see because this is not a, a video cast. Cause I and it never will it be. It never will be. <laughs> Um, because I would just stress out way too much about my hair, and we wouldn't be able to snack. Yeah. No. Because that would not be attractive. Oh, yeah, you don't want to watch us, like, doing that. Um, and, uh, like, what, what is the thing that makes something, quote-unquote, like, fluff, like, genre fiction, and what is the thing that makes it, like, important literature, and, like, there's Why a lot of is genre fiction considered fluff? fluff because a lot of times it's not, and that's what we were talking about before we started recording. Really helpful, I know. <laughs> but like, you know, when we talk, people talk about literature, and they a little joke about the human condition is whatever that means. Anybody they talk know? about it as yeah. Please if you know the what comments. the human condition is and what it means to explore that, please let us know. Um, but if we, you know, if we are, if that is sort of what the difference is. Which I think is BS. Um, <laughs> why is it that only literature explores that and it's perceived that genre fiction does not? When we were talking about, you know, like science fiction, for example, I mean, that's so much of what mm-hmm. science fiction explores is like, what does it mean to be human and what makes yeah, you. Yeah, and where is humanity going and, and why? You know, I mean, all of know. speculative fiction, sort of, yeah. the sort of big moniker of speculative fiction, addresses that. And then, what I also think is really interesting is how sort of the the community of there's this is a sweeping generalization, so I want to be careful that I don't sound like quite so sweeping. The upset that sometimes happens in the community of um, writers and readers when books are grouped, say, by a bookstore as in a genre as opposed to sort of general fiction or literature. Um, that's really interesting in terms of like internalizing mm-hmm. the um, the genre is bad thing. Yeah. Um, and that whole idea, you know, I there was a thing a couple weeks ago going around um, the internet with um, some authors were pretty distressed because their books were shelved um, in the romance section instead of like the general fiction section and. Um, there's a lot of like, oh no, you know, readers won't be able to find my books, which I think is like a huge, um, I'm trying to think of a way to say it that doesn't sound jerky because I'm not a jerk. Well, I I think that's just irrelevant because like, I mean, there's lots of ways to find books in bookstores. Yeah, well, plus like romance is the highest selling genre of every book. Yeah, by double, double, double the what the second one is, which happens to be Christian and inspirational. Yes. Um, but literally, romance doubles. The revenue of romance is double the, of the next category. Yeah. Um, and capital L literature is at the bottom. Is at the bottom. So if we're talking about, you know, nuts and bolts and sales, like, it's not necessarily the worst thing to be, quote-unquote, misshelved 
um, in that section if you're looking at getting you yeah, know, readers' because eyeballs. Because it is the highest grossing section. Yeah. Um, now, I think there's also a lot of that is actually wrapped up in the idea of prestige and um, that isn't associated with genre fiction. It is associated with, like, mainstream mm -hmm. or literary fiction. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I'm sort of at a point in my life where I just, like, think prestige is, like, the dumbest notion in the world. It's like, you can't really eat prestige. And there's so much, like, who gets to decide whether or not something is significant? There's a lot of stuff related to, like, well, if, you know. I don't know. And maybe I'm just not intelligent enough or have no, I know that's not true. I haven't lived life enough yet. But I mean, every time I feel like the past three times I have tried to read something that was prestigious and people thought was very significant, capital L literary wise, I didn't get it. <laughs> like yeah. I we were we were in a bookstore. Okay, this was this was <laughs> I alluded to this in my last blog post. We were in a bookstore, and I saw that one of the last books I tried to read that was capital L literature, and I was like, ew, die book, die. That book needs to die. And she pointed. <laughs> she pointed at it and was loud, which, of course, caused me to just, like, lose it. So, um. But on the other hand, when I'm very enthusiastic about books, I will... Not scream, die, book, die. Yeah, I will, will do be loudly enthusiastic. Or I will do things like, you know, take that book and face it out when the bookstore has wrongly not done so. I mean, I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I'm trying to think if I've read any, like, literature literature in recent years that I found particularly. Yeah, and, and the books that I've tried to read have been award-winning books. Well, I have. And I just. I have to say, like, in particular, like, me and Pulitzer Prize-winning books do not get along. No. Like, there's something with that prize, mm -hmm. and, like, those, like, I don't know what the deal is, mm -hmm. but I just, they, like, oh, what is that awful book? The Mysteries of Pittsburgh? Oh, I didn't read that. That book, like, I can't think of anything that has pissed me off for no, like, tangible reason than that book. Like, the whole tone of that book pissed me off. Like, it felt like it was being written to be important, quote mm -hmm. air quotes. Like, yeah. And it just... And that, it's not to say that there aren't both good books that come out of no, I want that read some... category or those award winners, but... Because I actually have to say, I generally have had very good luck with Booker Prize winners. Uh -huh. But I think those tend to be more... Um, there's a there's a current feel to the mm -hmm. like the, the whatever I mean I I don't know I'm not an expert on literary awards but those particular that particular award seems to really select books that have a very current feel to them uh -huh. that um, like James Pixie's won a couple of them and I really like his yeah. books and they're considered like literature which I think is really interesting because I mean they are but they're they're also very like character and like like there's a lot of really accessible qualities to his books mm -hmm. that aren't there's nothing sort of off-putting or like um sort of lofty trying to be important they're like very human stories in those yeah. books i don't know if you've read them all mm -hmm. they're they're very slim too like they're very there's not any big bloat yeah to that um and it seems 
in some ways, things that are more current tend to be looked down upon by the establishment. Like, for whatever reason, things that are old have much more value. Like, somehow people are thinking about, I don't know, the good old days of literature. And, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot always, of, I mean, there's, there's genre so, fiction, always. Right, and you and I were chatting about this, um, because if you look at, um, like, so, quote unquote genre fiction before people would refer to it as like popular fiction or uh-huh. like um there was like this the, the um oh like the penny magazines mm-hmm. like that had like the the serialized stories mm-hmm. and like all of those things are so interesting um in terms of like being like cultural artifacts of their time yeah and like a lot of times you can get more out of what the world was like at that this is where I get really nerdy um but what the world was like at that time through that lens is and like maybe it's not like significant in terms of like contributions to the literary canon but in yeah. terms of like what was going on in the world at that yeah. time and going on with real people yeah you know not um, that every not that every human being on the earth is not real but but people you would encounter in or even like what people were sort of aspiring to like i wrote my master's thesis on this woman, her name was Beatrice Burnshaw, and she has uh, some very old books of hers on my shelf um, in my living room, and she wrote these, like, um, sort of epic romantic adventures um, based on her own, um, she also wrote, wrote her, like, chronicle nonfiction of her own experiences, she wrote these novels, these, like, epic romantic adventures of, like, these women who would, like, go to the South Seas and, like, go on these, like, epic journeys and, mm-hmm. like, be adventurers, and it was, like, this sort of, like, aspirational, like, that kind of is the Victorian area and like stuff like that was just like so beyond, even though that's what she was sort of doing. I don't know about the romantic part because like mm-hmm. she kept her personal life very quiet, but um, this sort of like that was like the wildest thing anyone could think of, you know, of going to these places that were so far away and um, you know, being on a ship and mm-hmm. you know, palm trees and like all this sort of like stuff and. To me, that's, like, in a lot of ways a lot more fascinating than the, like, literature that came out of that time, mm-hmm. which is important in terms of, like, what it contributed to, to the history of, like, Western literature. But in terms of, like, what people were thinking about and doing in their daily lives, I, mm-hmm. it wasn't interesting how that went. Yeah. So, I mean, and it, it, there are adventure stories like that that I feel like that have kind of become part of literature. They have. Too. So, like, what makes those stories more... What elevated those? Like, why is Hemingway or like James Fenimore Cooper? Yeah, you know, which are I mean? all the or like mean, the Robinson Crusoe dude, whatever his name was. <laughs> I can't even remember Daniel something. I can't remember either. Um, the guy who wrote Robinson Crusoe. Crusoe. Everybody. Yeah, or <laughs> even I mean, even you know, like even more current, like James Michener's books, which you know mm-hmm. are now, even though I honestly, they're like to me, they're pop fiction. Like, they're considered as somehow, like, a little, quote-unquote, better um, than mm-hmm. the regular run-of-the-mill pop fiction. And I think that, I think, is an interesting thing as those things age, how they can sort of, the way we think about them changes. I also don't think it's a... Um, uh, it's not static. I... Really interesting how they evolve. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also think, you know, like, like, Hemingway wrote, I mean... Obviously, Hemingway, important literary figure, figure, also an asshole, known asshole. I think that, I think that we don't talk about no, that enough. Right. No, he was a right. known asshole, and um, you know, like 
He's also like, you know, sort of wrote these kind of like these like male doc fantasies, and yeah. you know, like it, it's and it's interesting to me that like yeah. that's that's okay, like that's you know, yeah. but I think there's a lot of gendered stuff that's wrapped out of that. There definitely is, and I think there's also um, a really strong romanticization of the starving artists in our society. Yes. So these people who are writing literature right. and not selling as many books, but they're not compromising their art. They are somehow better people or better artists when a lot of them were not. That's not even true. You know, yeah. like you said, like Hemingway was an asshole. Yeah. Or, you know, and it, it's, I don't think it's an either or thing that a book can be literature and popular. Yeah, I I think it's interesting, and also how um, uh, I was trying to remember the name of the author, so I have to do some quick a quick Google. Um, how like Glenn Duncan's werewolf series is considered like literature, mm-hmm. and I heard it, but... yeah, and um, yeah, the last werewolf is the first one. I think there's three of them, and um. It's considered, he's, the whole premise is he's treated like the last werewolf. And mm-hmm. it's like, it gets a lot of appreciation for like exploring like, you know, the, being the, the last iso- of your kind. The isolation and... of being human and all this stuff. Yeah. But why is it literature or why is, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Zombie novel. Oh man, he's the guy who wrote, ah! so unprepared he's a guy who also he recently wrote a non-fiction book about being a um amateur poker player i don't know crap sorry um anyway but like those books are considered like important literature but yet like you know patricia briggs mercy thompson series is considered just like mass market you know pulp and i'm not even saying like that her books should be considered like important like in literature but I'm not sure why these other ones are considered literature. Yeah. That's, the, I think, where I'm kind of, I think, where that guy, like, what's wrong with being in that, that sort of, like, mass consumption popular, I, I'm not yeah. seeing the thing that's, like, supposedly wrong with being in that, in that category. Yeah, and I don't think that being popular with the masses means that your work is on a lesser level. No, like it, I think that's a really unfair thing to say, and I think it's insulting to like the people who write work that's popular with the masses, and it's also and I think it's to really the readers. Insulting. Yeah, but it's also really insulting on a level that like I have worked with a lot of musicians and mm-hmm. been around a lot of musicians, and there's this kind of this idea that if you are good with business and promoting yourself, mm-hmm. then you're somehow cheating your art. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's true at all. So you're, all. like, selling out. Yeah. There's, like, this idea that you're selling out if you do that. So I feel like a lot of people kind of take this attitude that if you are a popular author, then you're selling out as opposed to being a good writer and people happen to also like you and you're also good at managing your money, which is, I mean, uh, yeah. I think that's a really good, important skill. Yeah, and I think, like, a lot of those folks who are successful (laughs) are also really good at, like, diversifying their income streams. I mean, this is, like, a lot of this gets down to, like, business stuff, and I think sometimes there's, like, this idea that, 
that shouldn't be a like that the art should just like come in this sort of mythical i mean it's a lot of that bullshit myth of like the artist but you know if that were true we would see a lot more diversity on our shows because a lot of the people that like are poor in our society tend to be marginalized minorities and we still don't see that on our show. Well, you know, that, because like, that would require the, poor, the publishing establishment to like... They're like the poor, like... starving artists. <laughs> you know what I mean? But just... actually, if you are living with these lofty ideals, you are actually really privileged. There's yeah, no way you that can... you couldn't come from a privileged place and be able to like concentrate on your writing enough. And like wait for to the muse to eat. like come to you. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. need to eat. Like your brain needs... In order to function on a high creative level, right? Yeah. So if you are in a position where you can like sit there and do that and await the muse. Yeah. (laughs) And like so like the the sort of bullshit myth of like the creative like person waiting for it just makes it makes me so mad. Like teaching at an art college. Yeah. Or like like, I see that, and, like, people feel like they failed because they don't have, like, this sort of, like, thing sitting on their shoulder telling them, mm-hmm. like, like, it's just, it's so toxic. Like, it's so, so toxic. You gotta work. And I get so <laughs> mad. Like, I go to these these artist talks and stuff, and, like, so many of them are just, like, I'm inspired. It's, like, it's like they're perpetuating this myth. Yeah. And it just. Or there's this, it's, just this idea that, like. Like, I'll go back to musicians again, but just, like, composers, where they just sit there, and music just comes to them, and they just write it down. No, they work. Yeah. It's hard. They work hard. Do you know how much, like, work music theory is? It's a lot of work. I always think it's even stuff, like, you see a lot, like, one of the favorites of a lot of people like to kick around is Nora Roberts, because Mm -hmm. she's so prolific. Like, she is, like, our most prolific, like, modern author and she works like eight hours a day every day mm-hmm. and I mean she cranks out a lot of words and yeah. like maybe her books aren't the world's best most literary significant books but man she sells a lot of them and yeah. her fans love her books and they love her and like I think there's a lot I think that's actually like something that matters yeah. and it bothers me when people, people are critical people that. diminish that and I'm not saying like there shouldn't be literary criticism or anything like that what I'm saying is that that like you do, I it bothers me when that kind of thing is diminished. Yeah, and I think or it's, just like it. I think it, she's like, incredibly. People, yeah. I'm. So, I so admire her ability to be that disciplined over so many yeah. years to like keep like her fans are still so satisfied yeah. by her work. Like and to I, criticize somebody who's working hard and like making a living. It's doing amazing. A thing like that shouldn't be diminished because you think that what they write isn't worthy enough. Yeah, it's, it's you know, to me, it's absolutely amazing. And I'm and not saying you personally, guys, it's just a general. It's just, it's, it's the global. You yeah. know, because we don't really have two different forms of view like the French do, so I can't really. You know what? That what is I mean. like one of the biggest inconveniences of the English language. It can be inconvenient. Yeah. You know, when um, I first started learning French, I was like, this is the dumbest shit ever. But I now did, that we're doing I did not podcast, know, I did and not I know that you had learned you know French. I mean? That is, see? It's, when I was in high school, yeah. Yeah, I took French in college. Didn't go well. College French is really hard. I mean, I was okay, I guess. I mean, I just, like, American 
school foreign yeah. language. I mean, I learned what I could. I have to that, say, I took know. though in Ireland, I took an Alliance Francaise class, which is run by the French government, mm-hmm. and their like whole thing is to like teach you to be able to communicate, like when you're in France. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like I learned more in that than like all the like language classes I've ever taken. Mm-hmm. So highly recommend you get brainwashed by the French government in their program <laughs> because you will learn how to communicate if you go to France. Just pro tips that you don't come here just for the book talk. I'm here for life advice. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, it's just it's so interesting to me how that. I remember reading another thing. Um, and I can't remember. I think it was on that whole MFA versus NYC oh. thing, that big. Um, there have been that, some good articles about that. There have been that. some really interesting responses to that. And I remember there was one where it was one of those that was, like, very much, like, the MFA. It was a celeb- very much celebratory of the, the notion of the MFA and the importance of that. And the person was really um, tweaked out because, and I'm going to probably say the wrong college, but Seton Hill University, mm-hmm. um, they, I guess, have an MFA in writing popular fiction, which I think is actually really cool. Yeah. Like, that's actually something, like, you can actually make a living writing popular fiction, you know? Yeah. And so many people who get MFAs, like, they have no way to pay back their student loan debt, and, you know, it's just, it's a really hard road. Yeah. And um, they were just, like, like, basically, like, you know, our culture, like, is encouraging things like this program it. Seton Hill was a, you know, where they teach people to write so they can, like, sell a book. And... Oh, my God. And I was just, like, and, the, like, the, the just dripping disdain that, like, someone would, like, look at writing as a career and as, yeah. like, something that you should be able to support. It was so interesting to me. Um, and that's not saying that people, like, because I think art is really important, um, but all, like, I know a lot of artists and the ones who are working and successful... Not like they've lost, they lose. It's not like just because they, they lose the sight of their creative. It's not like because, because being, they also want to eat and pay. It's their not rent. like because it's not like <laughs> like being like thinking about it as a business and as like a career has like kept them from being able to make awesome art. Like it maybe has informed like some of the choices they make in terms of like you know maybe I will work on X thing as like a personal project and focus on Y as something that I can make a living a commercial on. commercial thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I know a lot of people who've, like, moved into, like, surface design and stuff, which is, like, you can create beautiful prints, but then you can translate those prints to, like, surfaces that are sold in places like Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah. And, like, I think that's so awesome that there is a way for people who can do that kind of work to, like, translate things in something that's not just, like, earning them a living, but it's also accessible to the masses. Yeah. Like, there's, having art be accessible is a good thing. Yeah. Like, and, like, I really believe that, like, like, it, that's, I think, also why I get so upset when, like, we haven't even got, touched on so many things, but I get so upset when people see, think, like, art and creative work should be inaccessible and hard. Yeah. And I think there's a lot wrapped up in the idea of, like, literature, like, big L literature, should not be accessible to people, and that pisses me the hell off. Yeah. Like, there's so many reasons, like, people should, like, that something being accessible is a good thing. Yeah. Like, and that doesn't mean that, like, it's accessible because, like, people are stupid. Uh-huh. Like, it, you know, maybe it's something they connect with personally, yeah. or maybe it's, you know, maybe they, you know what, like, maybe they work two jobs, and, like, damn it, like, curling up with, like, you know, a Sarah McLean historical romance, which are very smart, by the way. Like, I have to say, like, that woman knows a hell of a lot about the Regency era, and, like, just the fascinating social conventions of that era mm-hmm. are riveting. Like, that doesn't mean that they're dumb, that means that, like, there is something in the plot and the character and the story that they connect with and, like, 
it's that's that's not an insignificant thing. And that doesn't yeah. mean that like what she's doing is not art. And just because it's commercially yeah. successful, it's not important and it's not it just ah! yeah. I'm like talking in circles oh. now because I get like my head starts getting like ah! like I said I think it's weird that there's this whole idea that just because something is popular means that it's bad to people um or just not of a high quality yeah you know and have you ever met somebody who they they'll be a really big fan of someone mm-hmm. or it could be anything mm-hmm. but it won't be somebody well known like right. they are really proud that they know of this oh, obscure music person. people are the worst yes, about that. Yes, they are. And they are really proud of the fact that they know this obscure musician who's just super awesome and amazing and that nobody else knows. And about. then when they get successful if they, that musician gets popular, then that person is like, Oh Yeah, it, I don't I like them anymore. You know what I mean? It's just like as soon as mm-hmm. it flips and this person is you know, more people discover. I and mean, you should be happy for this person. I love it. You know what? You should I, be happy that this person you like so much is now popular enough to make more music for you. Nothing, that should be a good thing. Nothing makes me more <laughs> excited than if, like, some, like, a book or whatever that I like is, like, that was, like, barely hanging on suddenly gets traction. Like, yeah. Like, okay, so I. I am happy. Like, I'm that proud that I, because I, I can relate everything to Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Like, I watched Friday Night Lights from the beginning. Like, from the very first episode, I just got lucky that I turned on the TV that night. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, like, I'm not smarter than anyone else. But one of the... No, but you did know that was on because Kyle Chandler was on. Sure, I probably did. Um, I was actually staying with my mom at that point because I was, like, we were in between, like, living in New Mexico and, like, here. And we were waiting for the mm-hmm. house we were renting to be available. So, I like, remember it really clearly that I was, like, at my mom's house. And, um... Anyway, I, uh, um, like, and, like, you know, for a long time, I mean, every season, it was like, oh, the show wasn't going to continue. It was always, like, every last, every episode of the last, of the last, each season is, like, feels like a series ender in that show. Mm-hmm. And I love that, like, it is one of those things that has become, like, I mean, I don't think it's wildly popular. Like, it's not at the level of things mm-hmm. like The Wire or, you know, mm-hmm. other stuff like that. But, like, it has, like, a fairly significant following at this point. And that makes it more cool to me that, yeah. like, more and more people are discovering this thing and love yeah. this thing. And, like, that doesn't make it worse or, like, less special or less awesome or, like, mm-hmm. oh, everyone likes it, so maybe I don't like it so much because it's, like, accessible to more people. That's bullshit. I am swearing a lot in this podcast. Well, I think that's a good reason. It's just, it really, that notion really, really bothers me. And, like, yeah. I feel that way about... Like, so many books. I mean, I mm-hmm. I get really worked up about it. I mean... Yeah, this idea that if you are not in the prestigious but low-selling capital L literature shelf on the bookshelf, mm-hmm. that means that other people will think less of your book or something like that. Or that, or that the book is lesser. No. Or to the point where... And I could be totally wrong here to the point where it seems like sometimes the authors themselves seem like they believe that. Yes. I think that it is. I've seen that. I mean, just from what I've seen online, it seems like that the authors themselves think that these genres are lesser. Yeah. And I'm not trying to insult anyone. No, and I'm not trying to insult anyone either. But I saw that it sounds like from a lot of things that I the read. The Bruja a couple weeks ago in um, the YA community. And it's quite honestly, like, I have a hard time sometimes 
I have two Twitter accounts and one of them is associated with a blog and I will, you'll see I won't log into that account for like weeks on end because like when there's like a lot of like people are upset about stuff and that's not Which that I'm happens to be a lot that's people. not that I'm like disregarding or diminishing anyone's like legit feelings mm-hmm. if they're upset about things but like I can't I can't deal with that level of stress of like external stress in my life they just yeah. get really overwhelmed and um but there was a number of authors who and I don't want to call anyone out because I don't think that's cool because I don't think that anyone was intending to be offensive um or even really thinking about the way they were saying things, but that were very upset to discover that their books were shelved um, in like the teen romance section of Barnes and Noble. And that really, like, first of all, like Barnes and Noble, their shelving system is basically like drunk. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to find a book in a Barnes and Noble, but it is never in the place you would expect. (laughs) <laughs> like never like there's a series like um barnes and noble shelves cassie alexander's like really like gritty intense urban fantasy um series everywhere except for with the urban fantasy books like i've literally seen it on like every single genre except for where it should be it's been in thrillers mm-hmm. i found it in sci-fi i found it in romance which is hilarious because there's not even a central couple in that series i mean it's just like there's so many it's so I don't, I, I mean, I, Barnes & Noble has a system that is, like, it has no relation to reality whatsoever. And I think that's something yeah. that's, like, like, before people get too upset and need to acknowledge that, like. I mean, the relationship is where they think the book will sell. Right. And it tends to be, honestly, I am convinced that a huge amount of the decisions of where books are shelved have to do with it looking good with the other books around it. Like, I really, I have this whole theory that it has to do with, like, the visual look of the shelf itself. I have no idea if this is right or not. It's just that wouldn't surprise me. This is my theory, and I'm going with it because there's no other explanation from this craziness. Like they shelved Kim Harrison's like urban fantasy series in romance, and there's like I believe no romance in that series at all. <laughs> um, I mean, I haven't read. I've only read like two of the books because they were kind of boring. Maybe because there's no romance. I don't know. But um, like they get, but they but they look right with the other books around it. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just crazy. Anyway, but I digress. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I, like, I but see like, this. I mean, romance is a high It sells really it well. It is a power seller in It is. Stores. It's like, what was the number we just looked at? 1.4 yeah. billion? Yeah. It and was, then the next is the religious one. Which was half, half of that. And then what was it? Mystery. Mystery, which, which would include thrillers and crime. And then science fiction fantasy was the next Yeah, section. and then capital L literature. At the bottom. The bottom. The very last one. So, um, and it's interesting to me how, like, in terms of how people think of it artistically, it is reverse. Yeah. Yes. I think that's, I think it's really fascinating and really telling. And the other thing that I also irks me when I see those complaints, and this is, again, not me trying to be mean to anyone, but also sometimes I'm just, I'll see, I've seen these complaints and I've been like, like, I want to be like, newsflash, your book is a romance. Like, you may not have thought of it as that, but if we look at the definition of what a romance is, like, that book will meet that definition. Yeah. And, you know, if the publisher especially has chosen to, like, create, like, a look that fits with that type of book, that's where it's going to end up. And, you know, and it bothers me when I see folks, like, really rejecting that label. Yeah. And the subtext is always because it's lesser. And yeah. that really like, bothers me. That 
that yes. those books and the people that write them are lesser. And it's and, and like it's, yours are better. And than it's that. profoundly insulting as a reader. Like to me, I just who likes that. Yeah, I'll just be like, you know, like that's that is not like that is not okay to like crap on readers like that. Yeah, and I get like I get the frustration because people aren't finding their books where they expect to find them. But I also feel like that is, like, that is going to happen regardless. Like, it's just so, to me, such a weird thing to, like, be the thing to be mad at. Yeah. Um, And I'm just, and I don't know why, and it bothers me especially because there's so many women who are doing that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's been, it's like crapping on a genre primarily created and consumed by women. And yeah. that really bothers me. Right. Because it's just, like, so, rather than, like... My female books are better like trying than your to like, female yeah, books. Yeah, and rather than trying know? to sort of elevate um, the level of respect for these books, it's like, oh, I don't want to be associated with that dirty, lazy, you know, like, the yeah. connotations are, you know, lesser thing. And I also, then I get all mad because it always... No matter what anyone's talking about with books right now, they bring up The Fault in Our Stars, which as a book I very much like. I have read it twice. I really like it. Yeah. So, you I know, like if you have an issue with that, I apologize in advance. I hope I have not offended you by saying I like that book. Uh, I'm very excited about seeing the movie next week. And um, anyway, but people, then I hear the same, like, well, if my book has to be in this, and I'm terrified at phrasing it a dramatic for dramatic effect. If my book has to be on that shelf, then The Fault in Our Stars should have to be on that shelf, too. And then I get really annoyed for a number of reasons, including that Fault in Our Stars is not a romance. It is a work of romantic fiction, but it is not a romance. And those are two totally different things. And it really irks me because people involved in publishing should understand that there's a difference. If my book is categorizing correctly, then so should his. So should his, because everything is like... That will make things equal. It's just like, that's not... This is like, it's conflating all these different issues. And it's so frustrating because I feel like we can't even have a conversation at this point. You know, yeah. because it's just like that's the thing that gets thrown into everything. Now I'm all like upset and like ah, smash, you know. Um, but it's just to me, it's like, and it's still internalizing that garbage that's like, oh, well, if my book is going to be diminished by being on this shelf, so should this big book. And it's just weird. The whole thing is so weird. I don't understand the thinking. I really don't. Like, and I think, you know, a lot of times it's, I think there's a lot of gender stuff wrapped up with my books. Yeah. I mean, I think that is indisputable. Totally true. I mean, I really do. Um, But I think it's also more complex than that. And I think that's something that, and I think that if we're going to talk about it. I think it's hard to have a conversation about it. I think it is hard to have a conversation about it. And I think if we're going to talk about it in terms of gender, we also need to talk about the way that... It, women are the other side, women. we've got the side of the, we've got the other side of the coin is why is there so much anger about being associated with a genre primarily written and consumed by women? Yeah. Why are female authors so mad? Like, I don't know, and I'm not telling anyone they have a responsibility to do anything because I think that's crap. Um, but it really, I would wish the conversation was going in a different direction. Like, like I would love to see someone say, like, hey, if you're looking for my book, it might be on the romance shelf. There's some really cool books on that shelf that I never had heard of. You should check them out. Like, I would love someone to do that. Like, and you never see anyone say that. 
Like, ever. Yeah. It's always like, the horror! My book is on the romance shelf. And I mean, and I get the stuff with, oh, maybe someone can't find the book, but I also think people are smart enough to go to the damn computer that's at the end cap, and every Barnes yeah. and Noble, and look up the name of the damn book. Yeah. Like, that's not like, hard. I was in Powell's a while back. I'm like, I'm like tense. Yeah. Have you ever seen me get this mad about something? I'm sure I have, but. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I Like, I was in Powell's a while back, and I was looking up a book that is definitely YA. I was re- yeah. looking for a book written by Jacqueline Moriarty, who's mm-hmm. uh, a very popular Australian author. Yeah. And I look up, I look on the YA yeah. show. I was with you, wasn't I? Yeah. Yeah, that was and so I was weird. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, the other books in the series are here in mm-hmm. YA, and I'm pretty sure the computer said that it, they had this book, and I just assumed it would be in the YA. Right. I didn't even look on the computer to see which section it was in. I just checked to see if it was in stock, and it wasn't there. And so then I went to find somebody... And the people at this Powell's are very nice and much nicer than the, the West Side Powell's. The people at the West yeah. Side Powell's are wonderful. Yeah. And they looked it up and they were like, oh, it's in literature. And I was like, I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. It's in adult and literature. Yeah, adult literature where this, I mean, obviously I have nothing against adult literature, whatever. Yeah. But it's. It was a little bit weird to me that that's where that yeah. book was because that book is a book aimed at the YA market consistently. Because yeah. it was epistolary or something, do you think? Yeah, because I found, I found. But also, she has like three sisters who are also writers. I bet they confuse like and um, a few of them um, are more kind the of one, on the, the, the husband's side. secret. The woman who wrote the husband's secret was that her Lyanne. I think that's Lyanne. Yeah, I think that's probably where it got. It might have been, but they, she has sisters, but like, anyways, but I managed to find the book is the point of the story, even though it was on the shelf that I was not expecting it to be. If I walk into a bookstore and I know that bookstore has the book in stock and I really want to read it, I will find it, whatever shelf it's on. I would have found it if they had shelved it in science fiction. That's why I think, that's why I think the argument that like, oh, I'm upset because readers will be able to find the book. I think that's why I think that, honestly, that argument is, like, it's such code for something else. Yeah. And I it really bothers me. And I don't think people's intent is to, like, crap on any genre or any group of readers. But that's the way it, every time I hear, oh, but my readers won't be able to find my book because I'm not one of those books. That's what I always yeah. hear is the silent thing is, like, the, because I'm not one of those books. It really pisses me off. Yeah. And, and if your book is shelved in romance... They probably it's, will find it. I don't. Because romance is the highest-selling book genre. Well, I mean, you, know? I mean, you might actually have some folks find your book who might not have otherwise. Um, and it just, and it's just like, and I also think it's really interesting, because we were talking before we were recording about this, too, is, like, why, um, like, and I made the comparison, like, Lauren Miracles, um, The Infinite Moment of Us, versus, like, Jennifer Eccles' novels. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could list any of them, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, going too far, for example. Yeah, I haven't read um, Lauren Miracle, but, yeah. But Lauren Miracle's, like, The Infinite Moment of Us was considered, like, a very important, edgy, like, literary book. Like, I'm going to be really honest, and this is going to make people not, I know there are not, I can think of individual listeners who will be pissed. I thought the book was terrible. Like, I'm going to be really honest. Like, I really thought it was terrible, and I have never reasons why. But, um. I mean, you thought a whole review about it. 
I know, and I think I was kind con- it's one of those also that, like, I sort of, usually I wait a while before I write about yeah. things so I can chew on it, and I wrote that right away, and it's one of those I wish I'd chewed on more because I had, the longer I think about it, the more I had issues with it, um, and just the way it was positioned and a whole lot of other stuff, and I wish I had waited and revisited that a little bit more thoroughly. Um, but then we've got, like, a book like Jen Freckles, Going Too Far. I'm going to use that because that's probably for what most, most well-known, like, romantic mm-hmm. drama. Um, and they both use the exact same conventions in terms of storytelling. Um, you know, they both use, like, basically the, the, the basic structure of, like, a traditional big R romance. And one is considered Lauren Miracle's books are considered, like, YA literature, um, edgy, important. Jennifer Eccles' book is considered fluff. And in terms of, like, what they achieve, I actually think, like, in terms of being, like, important and, um, you know, talking about, you know, like, teen girls and empowerment and um, a whole lot of other things. I really um, admire what Jennifer Eccles I really admire what Jennifer And I wrote about this a little bit in the last um, post I did about one of her books. Mm-hmm. I really admire how she takes, like, like, actually a very strong feminist point of view in terms of, like, female empowerment and female sexuality and relationships and yeah, like what and she hardly ever gets mentioned and setting like boundaries like positive books, yeah and like set, sort of like like girls figuring out like what they will allow in a relationship and what they won't allow and a lot of these like really weighty things uh-huh. um that she brings into her storytelling but she's such an engaging like plotter and she has these like interesting characters and i think sometimes because she integrates that stuff so well into her writing people don't notice what she's done and like i think um such a rush like it was amazing what she did in terms of like commentary on like slut shaming and class Uh and um you know all kinds of stuff um wrapped up into this like really compelling romantic drama too and i don't think she gets the credit for what she's able to do because she's considered you know this sort of like why genre just read it for fun and um if you read like the 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 foreword in um the Infinite Moment of Us, mm-hmm. um, the author, um, Lauren Miracle, says, like, I did this to demonstrate that, you know, like, you don't have to shut the door in the bedroom with teenagers and a lot of other things that she overtly, I wish I still had that um, on my Kindle, but I don't. And um, anyway, um, and what she, and I think that was when I read that initially, the first thing I thought was, like, so at some level, someone, like, on the publishing level or the author or someone decided it was really important to say, like, I'm doing this thing that's significant. And the first thing I thought was, like, well, I can think of five YA authors who've been doing this for years and years and years, but they're doing it under the guise of, like, you know, YA romance. And I guess that doesn't – like, that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. And it really bothered me. It's like um, I had some issues with the plotting in Huntley Fitz- Fitzpatrick's um, – my Life Next Door, which mm-hmm. I think you read as well. Yeah. But, like, she did, like, like in terms book, of... But... Yeah, and the longer I think about... Well, like, the longer I think about that book, the more impressed I am with what she did in terms mm-hmm. of, like, these kids, like, sort of becoming grown-ups and, like, figuring out how to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of the same stuff that was happening in um, The Infinite Moment of Us, but My Life Next Door didn't really get the attention for doing that because there wasn't, like, the publisher or what It wasn't promoted as this edgy important book about mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And I think it's interesting how as we're told those messages, we kind of take that in and believe it. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish we'd side-eye that stuff a little bit more 
and um, sort of ignore our assumptions about like the genre labels and, you know, sort of appreciate what some of these authors, like I think like urban fantasy and sci-fi authors do amazing things with things related to identity. And I mean, like I, I've been reading the Samantha Jack series by um, Anna Gire, which is, I highly recommend. I mean, first of all, when you when you get into sci-fi and fantasy, the amount of sheer creative imagination required is incredible. Is astounding. Yeah. To, I mean, and, and with sci-fi, sometimes you're not going into another world, but you you can be on Earth, but you're still having to come up with a totally alternate Earth that will make sense to people. And come up with a a society that will people will buy into it that could be totally different from what we have and what we've ever known. Um, And I think things like that can tell us a lot about what we are going through now. Yeah, when you see something totally different, like the series I was mentioning specifically, like the things she does with um, commentary on like othering and. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that, you know, we as humans do that yeah. and just, it's amazing what she does with that. And they're sort of wrapped up in this idea of like this sort of sci-fi and war and yeah. strife and all this stuff. And like, she wraps it in this sort of like space opera. Yeah. And I'm like, that is amazing that she's able to like make this yeah. like incredibly well plotted. Cause she just like, it's like hell of a plot. Like, I don't, yeah. and she's so prolific. I don't understand how she does this. And it's like this space opera that's just so compelling in terms of like the adventure aspect. But then there's all this little stuff. Like there's a character who's effectively a bug. And yeah. like and like there's all stuff like because he's other, he's different, and it's just amazing what she does. Yeah. And but I think because we have been taught to dismiss those genres yeah. as just for fun, we don't see yeah. that. Unless, yeah. I mean, and there's just a few exceptions in those genres, like mm-hmm. people who are, excuse me, sorry, like groundbreaking or people mm-hmm. who have really influenced the genre, like Tolkien or like Lewis and, you know, and I think a lot of that is very gendered as well, you know what I mean? Um, but I I don't think that means that their books are what they do in those genres is less significant to that's why people read them that's why they connect you know (laughs) i mean and i don't i mean i think there's lots of problematic stuff in the genre section oh of course there is in literature and i also don't think that's something yeah and i don't think that means also that like if something's problematic it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it i mean that's there's lots of problematic things that i have really enjoyed and like i mean if i didn't enjoy things that were problematic i wouldn't like much of anything yeah, like, and that I would mean, just be depressing. In, in some ways, you just kind of, you take what you can get. I mean, I think the important thing is that you're willing to acknowledge that yeah. there are certain things that are problematic, but you can also say, but this part of it isn't, and I like well, it. And I can know? say, like, you know, like, there's some there's some issues here, but, like, damn it, I love this thing, and that's, yeah. you know, and I'm glad people are talking about it. I'm glad I don't have to be the one to, like, talk about why the thing I like is a problem. Uh-huh. Because it's like, I'm glad there are other people to take care of that for me. Yeah. But... Yeah, and I was telling Laura that when I was in college, I took this really interesting class. It was, like, contemporary women's literature. Like, we had to read a lot of mass market fiction. And I don't remember much of the books we read because we, we had to read a lot of books. 
I mean, nerd school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had to read a book a week for mm-hmm. a semester. It's, I don't remember a lot of them, but one of them I do remember was Marge Percy's E.T. and It, which is a sci-fi novel. Mm-hmm. It's also a romance. Like, the one and a half of the central couple is an android. And, like, mm-hmm. that book is still one of the most memorable books I've ever mm-hmm. read. Like, there's so many things in that book that are kind of mind-blowing in terms of what she was doing. And that book was written in, I think, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, related to, like, gender identity and like, humanity and the idea of, like, technology and, like, artificial intelligence and Mm -hmm. just so many things related to, like, all these big questions that, like, people have. And it's not a very big book. And I just, that, that still, that book is stuck with me in terms of, like, So, like, what makes a book exploring those ideas in the realm of sci-fi less than somebody exploring it in capital L literature. And at some point, know. someone decided to put that label on that book. And, like, I so much of it, I wonder, like, it's, like, external forces deciding what can be sold mm-hmm. in a certain, you know, like, you know, sold in on a certain shelf. Yeah. Um, it, it has so little to do with the book itself. Yeah. And more to do with business like yeah and a lot of like business decisions and publishing are dumb as hell i mean (laughs) they are we're making friends today aren't we (laughs) hey you know what i'm sorry i think a lot of people involved in publishing would probably be like yes a lot of many of the business decisions made in publishing are dumb as hell like when they put it's like the opposite of it when they put a book like a kissing cover like Like, I still, like, one of the things that makes me so sad is, like, the cover of Something Like Normal by Trish Dollar, which is a wonderful book, mm-hmm. not a romance. Uh-huh. And it has this cover on it that would lead you to believe that it is. And that is, like, a small element of that book. Like, mm-hmm. It is a book about PTSD. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just kills me. Not because, like, I have a problem with kissing covers. I'm totally fine with kissing covers. Or that people like romance. It's just, <laughs> like, it's one of those things, like, you know that people are going to self-select that book expecting one thing and getting another, and it just bums me out. Mm-hmm. Like, and then maybe people who would who would be, really love that book might not pick it up because the cover is telling them and it's about something that it doesn't interest them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really, it just makes me so sad. Like, it really does. Yeah. Um, I mean, because it's so like dumb publishing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just, you know, the paperback of that book was coming out. I'm like, maybe they'll give it a new cover. And they, all they did was slightly change the letting on the type. I was like, no. Um, anyway. But, um, yeah, it's it's so, it's just, it's very, this is really, God, I keep swearing. What is wrong with me? Yeah, I'm kind of really feeling it. I had a shitty week. <laughs> anyway, I man, I've only I've gone through. Guess what? I'm one thing on my list. All emotional. This right is now. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and it's just it's also like interesting how another example that I have is um I've talked about Laura Griffin's books and how much I have enjoyed many of them. She writes these like it's like it's like if Twenty Four had lots of kissing. So you can imagine, perfect. Like, how could it get any better? Yeah. I mean, like, really. Like, there's, like, people, like, computer hackers and, like... I'm, like, a huge 24 fan. Badasses. And, like, everyone's a badass. Like, I love that. Like, 
Except for this woman in one of the books. She's a total idiot and needs to, like, be set on fire or something. Or horrible. Don't read the second book Laura Griffin wrote. It is horrible. Um, I mean, it is. Oh, man. I am being awful. I am never this unkind. I really, I try not to say things are horrible. I really try because I think that's mean because I think it's hard to write a book. Um, but the second book is terrible. And all I can remember is the main character's name is Chloe or Claire. And she's just, she's just the worst person. She steals money to like try to get like artificially inseminated. Like she steals money from like a drug lord. Oh. It's just the whole premise. It's just so what the fuck. That's really weird. <laughs> I swore again. <laughs> anyway. That's um, quite a premise. Right. <laughs> right. And eventually she's rewarded for this behavior. I mean, it's just... It endangers many people. Like, it's just she does not deserve a happy ending. Like, I usually... I'm not into, like, people earning. Like, I think that's like, kind of awful, like people earn the happy ending but Mm -hmm. like she does not deserve it and anyway but the rest of her books are like quite entertaining like there's this one about these sisters and one of them's a sketch artist Mm -hmm. and the other's like a musician or something and that one's great i like like i love the series that takes place in this like crime lab and like they're like everyone's badass like they're all like there's like an anthropologist who's like super cool Mm -hmm. like she's really smart and, you know, and then there's, like, always, like, these badass dudes who are, like, badass, too. And it's just everyone's badass. And I like that. It's fun. It's, like, you can read them in an evening. And it's interesting because she had a book come out. It's, it's weird because it's actually basically in her series. And her books are, are considered, like, romantic suspense. So that means they go with the romance section and not the mystery thriller section. Mm-hmm. I think they could live in either place. Like, my yeah. mom doesn't like romance but likes Laura Griffin's books. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, they, they can live in either place, but, um, her latest, that's like, she says it's not part of that series, but it is, it's like the same characters, the same Mm -hmm. setup, the same, you know, like everything is like, it's the same scenario, lots of explosions. Um, but her, that book was, is branded as not being part of that series. And it has all of her books have these, um, these like women, like sort of looking badass on them. Uh Like there's this one with like this woman at the top of the stairs with her hands on her hips. like really go kick ass yeah you know like i think they're really fun covers yeah they just look cool and um but this one is called far gone and it's got this like very like i would say people would call it gender neutral which i think is the dumbest thing ever because covers don't have gender they're freaking paper i mean it's an inanimate thing but like there's like it's like sort of this weird white with like some iconography Mm -hmm. on it nothing you know very um not not saying what you know who the sort of like main characters are and that sort of thing and the story like it's like her it's like one of her regular books with like sort of like there's like a little like in the end there's like a central couple that gets together but like sort of the character like chemistry is gone Mm -hmm. it's like that was like written out of it like and she's really good at writing character chemistry and it's and like actually i have to say the book is not good like i think i gave it two stars on goodreads like, I mean, there were some really good explosions, so yeah. it got bumped up. Um, but it's interesting to me that, like, it's clear that her publisher is mo- or she, I don't know who's driving this, is moving her out of romance, romance into this, like, hardcover. That's the other thing. The mass market paperback hardcover 
thriller and it's shelved like with thrillers mm-hmm. and it like fits visually with thrillers. And I think that's really interesting, like that they've like from a marketing perspective, they've taken all of the the things that would appeal to her usual fans, this sort of I think this crossover, uh-huh. um, and like really solidly allied itself with like the 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 genre that is more dominated by men. Yeah. And well, and it's really strange to me that like there are just things that are considered, you know, books that women would read more than men. Yeah. You know, like romance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and but they have a lot of the elements that I see in these books that men read, like sci fi, fantasy, yeah. mysteries or crime fiction, these all have like Sex yeah, you were saying like fantasy. A lot of them have like you know central couples that get a happily ever after at the end after the crime. Yeah. After they've escaped from like after the they've crime blown shit up or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I definitely think there are gendered issues in the conversation about genre fiction because, like, I think that the ones that are consumed more by men or maybe are marketed more towards mm-hmm. men. Uh, tend to be thought of as higher, even though they're still kind of disdained by the literary. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like there's it's like steps of yeah disdain. Yeah, <laughs> but, and then romance is like the the most disdained, even yeah. more so than like Christian and inspirational books, which I don't even want to get into that issue right yeah, now. Not, I mean, like books with like a like a sort of moral lesson don't have a high appeal for me personally. Yeah, I know that they, um, though, actually, I know that there is an, like, there is a market of people who maybe don't want, like, aren't into the message, but they like, um, like, especially inspirational romance is consumed a lot by people who just prefer, like, sort of fade to black, like, yeah, yeah, so I think there's some crossover there, but, yeah, and I think it's interesting the premise that men aren't interested in, like, they don't want to say that something has, like, a, like, a romance in it. Like, yeah, because so like, that's every, bullshit. Every, like, fantasy book, every science fiction, there's always been romance in these books. So yeah. I've seen, you know, and it's not just like HBO Game of Rome, great, great, great all the time. You know what I mean? Which is basically what it is. <laughs> I was going to say, that's like, okay. No consensual sex on that show is allowed. I don't know what the problem that's so is. Fast. I'm so, I mean, that's a whole different topic entirely. I, mean, I am that's a really good by... show, but I'm really having issues with the fact that there's no consensual sex on it, like, ever. You know? Yeah, and it's and my understanding is it's not really like in the books. There's a lot more clarity on that particular issue. Like yeah. I've not read the books, but that's what I've um, been told by people yeah. who read and love those books that they're like, "Whoa, that that is not how that like something like that happened." But that's not how it went. Yeah, down. like there was like internal stuff that like explained yeah. a lot of. Um, and yeah, it's like my husband loves that Sherry Priest series. It starts with um, the first one is Bone Shaker. It's like the steampunk book. Oh, okay. Yeah, and like those, like I, I mean, I think those are marketed toward like female readers primarily, mm-hmm. and like I, I mean, he's just one person, obviously, but um, yeah, I think this idea that like they're like oh the boys won't read things with kissing is also kind of stupid yeah because um, it's not true it's like, not true there's a lot of like, sex and like, sci-fi and fantasy like, what crime it, like, fiction there's lots of sex in all of those books and what is lot. that saying to like men also like you have no interest in things that have like any sort of like emotional resonance like, yeah that's messed up like yeah. are we ta- like especially when we talk about like 
books for teens and like yeah like what are we saying to like boys i mean like yeah it's just, like i mean it just like reinforces these societal things that boys have to be a certain way and act a certain way and you know the guys i talk to don't want to live up to that no I don't they don't think- match up with that they don't want to live up to it no i think that living like that is uninteresting to Many men. I mean, this is like getting really existential here, but like all the stuff that are the assumptions is yeah. like sort of is messed up, and they're not really tied to reality. Yeah, it is. I mean, it just it just doesn't line up. Like, I mean, maybe I'm just hanging out with these kind with of guys. like really great guys. Maybe that's just know. not normal. I don't know. But like, I mean, pretty much most of the guys that I have hung out with in my life don't particularly line up with this. You know? Yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, this is on sort of on a different topic, not a different topic, but another thing that we had talked about is this, especially in sci-fi, this idea of like soft versus hard sci-fi. And I know there's, there are some legitimate right. reasons to delineate that, but I think it's interesting not being someone who's not involved in like the sci-fi community. Yeah. Which it seems like a real mess at the moment, to be really honest. With yeah, they seem there. to be having some they issues. They seem to have, be having a lot of issues. It seems which, really I mean, hard. I think there are and issues important. that are important that they need they're to really work important out within issues. their community. time to be part of that community and yeah. like I, I mean I think it's good that they're working through a lot of that stuff and mm-hmm. that there seem to be some really good reasonable people like advocating for things to improve in that community uh-huh. on a number of levels both yeah, in what yeah, is yeah. written and produced but also in like how they interact with the community and that kind of thing yeah um but I think it's really interesting like I really liked um that book These Broken Stars by Annie Kaufman and Megan Spooner mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read it I haven't I really liked it. And, like, it's one of those that, like, the more I think about it, I've read it quite some time ago, but the more I think about it, the more I really like it. Like, uh-huh. I think it was a really interesting book that, like, had a great sort of epic adventure to it. And I'm, I'm such a sucker for, like, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, but I saw a lot of, like, people who are really, like, like intense sci-fi readers really kind of diminish, diminish, dismiss sort of the science in it. Because it's also very much, like, it's like a sci-fi romance. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, this is soft. This is you know, like, if you're a real sci-fi fan, you won't be into this. And I know I saw at least one person say, if you're a real fan of sci-fi, you know, this is for people who don't know sci-fi, don't know. And I think that's interesting. Also, even within the genre is how, um, it's like, I like, t- like, I like time I'm travel. I'm that. I know you are. The look. I don't want you to, I don't want you to ever give me that look. It's really intimidating. Um... <laughs> Um, but I think that's interesting even within these genres, how we yeah. create these structures just to, like, what is the real thing, like, what is real sci-fi versus, like, sort of this stuff, this sort of, like, stuff that's just for, like, casual consumers of. Yeah. The, and I think that's also interesting, too, is how, um, that gets broken up in, like, this very interesting fractured way. Yeah, and, and it's, that is a very gendered thing. I think it is, too. I really do. I think um, it tends to be where the, the things that are written by women and, are, you know, are considered, like, oh, well, that's just for, like, those people who aren't really yeah. committed to the genre. Yeah, like, yeah. whatever that means. Like, like what, what is that fuck? Like, yeah. like I, have, I, have no, I have no commitments to any sort of genre on that I know. Sort of I level. mean, like, I... I will read any genre if it has a good book. If it's interesting. Yeah, like, I you mean, know, I mean, I just, I don't. I used to think I hated fantasy, but then I read our friend's yeah. wonderful manuscript, and I was like, okay, so maybe I don't hate fantasy. You yeah. You know, like, maybe I've just not found one that works for me. 
Yeah. And this is one that works for me. I, I, yeah, it's just really unfair, I think, to kind of, like, create these delineations where you're saying these people aren't real because they don't like the same books that I do, but they like these yeah, other Yeah, like, ones. their opinions that, don't they, count. They might nominally meet the definition of this genre, but they're not, they're not really worth putting in this genre that I love so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's I, a really... So much of that in sci-fi and fantasy is a gender thing. Um... You know, that, you know, hopefully that'll get worked out. But, like, you know, just the whole thing with, like, the the, the comic cons and the geek things. and Yeah, I mean, that gets really, like, how, I mean, it gets really, I mean, it's like, because into... a lot of the sci-fi and fantasy authors are, like, very big draws at those conventions. Yeah. And, um, you know, they have a lot of issues with just, even, yeah, yeah there were the really, what's that woman, Anne of Weird, is that how you say that? She's an author. She's a sci-fi author. Anne of Anna like, Geary. Yeah, Anna Geary. she wrote okay. the Sam, Sorry, yeah, the Jacks she books. like she wrote a really interesting post, and this was a while ago, but I was really fascinated by it. But it was just about how she was treated by her own peers in that genre, not even just the people at conventions, but just other authors on panels that she was on, and how. She was dismissed. Yeah, and she's like, to me, she is people. just someone that's so like admirable. Like, yeah. and I just it boggles my mind how it's it's. Yeah, she's not... I mean, and that and that makes things intimidating for people who like, you know, like that kind of is that's not an atmosphere that's conducive to creating better work in that genre. No, you it's know not. I mean? And it's like, so. and I think it also can be a deterrent to like new voices and diverse voices. Yeah. To see and someone there's a big who, resistance to that in that community. Yeah. Right and to now. see someone who like, who's as established as Anna Geary talk about her experience. Like if you were like a young writer who is like perceived as an outsider by that, basically not a white man. Like, yeah. and you were, you'd been like, Love that genre and wanted to write in that genre. Yeah. Like, would you maybe the things that you would have to do the barriers to like being able to access yeah. that community? That seems really daunting. It does, and I think it'd make people wonder if it was worth it. Yeah, and I mean, and I would hate to like have to lose out on a quality, you know. But I think that's what happens when you make these lines and are be like, you don't belong in my genre. Yeah. You belong in this other one that is lesser. Yeah, I think you it's all, I mean? I mean, I really feel like all of that is all the same message. Like, when we talk about all these examples, it's the same message that, like, it's that there is good and bad, there are good and bad shelves to be on, yeah. and if you're on the bad shelf, like, you want to get off of that bad shelf. Yeah. I mean, I really think that, like, there's, it comes back to, like, this, but it, that comes from both readers and writers. I mean, yeah. And it, it comes, comes from, from media. I mean, yeah. media, I mean, too. It from, yeah, it's, it's coming like, from... Remember that whole, like, that thing where they're calling, like, new adult smut, smut fiction? Yeah, I wrote that down. Yeah, smut fiction. And, like, honestly, like, I am pretty disappointed with the way, like, new adult has gone because it's not stuff that generally appeals to me. It, it's not what and, I was looking for. And I would say, and I'd say this is someone who enjoys a quality, like, a quality contemporary romance and even... Even though that's where, like, contemporary romance has been where new adult has gone. Really like, it's, it's so yeah. tropey, and it's, like, it's very much in, like, the, you can see its lineage come from, like, Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey, which is, like, just a quote closure. Yeah. And, um, like, and I get why people love those tropes, but they don't appeal to me. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more interesting stuff happening yeah. in other places, and I saw new adult was having the opportunity yeah. to grow and be something really cool and different. And that's not yeah. where it's 
It's yeah, actually very much stayed. It doesn't appeal to you. Doesn't make it, it doesn't okay make it to be like, like oh, it's smut fiction. fiction. And honestly, like, I mean, like, if you're looking for smut, like, you should look somewhere other than New Adult. Like, <laughs> like honestly, I mean, honestly, like, I've read. Some, it's like there's dinosaur rom com. I mean, like, guys. seriously, like, <laughs> I mean, if you want something smutty and you're looking at New Adult for smut, like, you're gonna be disappointed. Like, it's not that smutty. It's not. I mean, it's like. I mean, it's it's not like it's. I mean, it's not. I mean, there's like that's what like, yeah, that's what like erotic romance is for. Yeah, you know, and that's not what that is. Like, it's really not very scandalous. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just I don't know what to say about that. But yeah. um, oh, have we discussed have we discussed how um, at the Pals in downtown Portland the location oh. of the romance section? Because I really feel like I need to address yes. that. So, I was looking for, and it's actually see it all relates back to Anna Geary today, apparently. Uh-huh. I was looking for um, one of the Samantha Jack's books. So, I've really gone down the rabbit hole with that series, and so I'm, like, sort of reading, like, one every other month or so, because I'm trying to, like, stretch it out. Uh-huh. Hold then, off, yeah. Well, there's, like, I think there's six of them, and so, like, I have this strategy that I can, like, make that the series last a year. Uh-huh. It seems That's like, reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about my strategy. And, um, and God, and I read the one with the, like, just this horrible war. It's just so, it's, like, so, I ang- haven't read it, it's so. so angsty. You would probably like it. There's a oh, lot okay. of angst. Like, yeah, good I've angst. I've been to read those books because, um, our friend who wrote that fantasy novel, I know. Lenore Tolkser. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, who you guys are just gonna love someday. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, the, there's so much angst, and it's totally the sort of angst you like. Like, it's not like that sort of, like, dumb angst. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like fake angst. I don't like dumb angst, guys. No, you like good angst. This is like totally great angst. I mean, like, Sarantha's like, who am I? Like, how am I going to like? So it's hard angst. It's, it's not hard angst, angst, not soft angst. Oh, okay. Exactly. I'm too good yeah. for the soft angst. You're too angst. good for soft angst. It's, yeah. Anyway, I was looking for a used, because, you know, they're easy to find used copies and they're like three bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. At Pals. Um, and so I'm like, I assumed stupidly, because in the, the pals on the west side, they're in the sci-fi section. Where so they belong. There. Well, that's probably where they belong. So I went there, and I couldn't find them. I was like, oh, that's dumb. You know, like some, like a, like good bookstore patron, I went to the computer, like, tap, 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 them, you know, looked them up, as I think most people who go to bookstores do. And um, so I'm like, and it says like, it's like romance and then it's like has like i can't remember what room because all the rooms are color-coded in that palace which is yeah. also confusing it was some color i hadn't heard of yeah which is very confusing i was yeah. like okay i know where the orange room is i know where the pink room is i know where the purple room is i know where the gray room is where the blue room is i know where the pearl room is yes and i couldn't the co- whatever the color was i could never heard of it so of course instead of this is where i become dumb sort of instead of consulting the map i just started wandering around yeah so I'm like, I've gone to this bookstore my whole life. I shouldn't have to, yeah. like, look at a map. That's only for tourists. Yeah. And um, so I start wandering around, and I'm like, can't find this section, this room. And I think I eventually asked or maybe looked at the map and discovered that in order to get to the romance section in Pals, you have to go into the coffee shop, which is a, used to be actually, like, a separate business, and they knocked down a wall. So you, you have to go into the coffee shop, then walk past the coffee counter and through the throngs of people drinking coffee and trying to look cool. 
And which is a very common thing in yes, Portland. Yes, great. And like all the hipsters with the weird facial hair and stuff is really a terrifying experience. Like I had not been in a pal's coffee shop in fifteen years. Yeah, you really and, have to get a lot, go through a lot to get to the romance section. Yes, it's like running freaking gauntlet. It's horrible. <laughs> and like it's like the hip, like the hipsters, and they they just don't shower. It's just horrible. And um, sorry, it sounds, I'm like making it sound like it's like I have like some kind of issue now after going doing this so go through all this like then you have to sort of turn a corner next to the registers and then there's like these shelves that are sort of like in like sort of like make like a free when wall the space in yes the book space so in. you go in there because on the yeah. back side are the magazines for like the the people so that people don't have to see you and you don't have to that's see the them way, while you the are looking at for your romance book and so and then i finally make it into the romance section you know and get my book the romance but partition the partition it's like it's so like it's like you're exiled like <laughs> like oh we don't want these books touching our important books and what i was telling laura is like the ironic thing is as i was finally making my way out of there and through had to cut through the literature of the blue room the literature section Facing out on an in cap on the liter in the literature section is a whole series of erotica anthologies, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so if pals like er- like erotica anthologies are considered literature, literature and romance is considered not even worthy of being in the real bookstore. Yeah, like like what is going on here? Like it's just like how that shit has been internalized, like and like yeah. really like it's like it's institutionalized, like it's not just yeah. it's like institutionalized, and like I just like I'm actually kind of mad I bought the book. Like I was really pissed that like as I walked, I'm like, why did I buy that book? Like I was so disgusted. Yeah. Why didn't I say anything to anyone? I was having this whole like internal conversation, yeah. and like that is so unlike me too. And I'm like, oh my god, have I internalized this shit too? Like, what's going on with me? <laughs> like, seriously, it was, I was having. I mean, I, I was having an angst spiral. Um, I was just like, this is nuts. It's nuts. Like, w- like that. It would. Go, they would go so far as to like have that in a different room. And it's like my mom went into like a um science fiction bookstore looking for one of the Mercy Thompson bookstores, uh-huh. um, which is they are often fiction because yeah. you know urban fantasy gets yeah um and it was um it was another it was an independent bookstore in town and she went in there because she was like on like book four and went to book five yeah. and she had to read no she was she'd read book three and needed book four because it was like a big thing that happens between three and four oh. and um she went in she happened to be in selwood where this bookstore is located and went in there and she looked around she couldn't find the book and so she asked the guy and he sneered at her and was like, we don't carry books. He said that to my mother. He one, he is lucky my mother did not reach across the counter and like hit him. Hit him because it was my mother. What and did your mom not, say? She was she was like, Well then, and stomped out. <laughs> my mom is really good at stomping. So you can imagine it was really effective. But like she was just so freaking offended. Like, I mean, if they didn't carry it, he should have just been like, Oh yeah, we don't, you know, we don't carry that series. Yeah. But it was, like, this whole judgmental thing about how, it's, like, the Mercy Thompson series, like, which is, like, I think one of those, uh, those you know, genre fiction series. Yeah. Has, it has a lot and of. you know, when we went to Palace to see Patricia Briggs that time, there were a lot I of men there. Ne- there, there were, were like. So, it was 50-50, yeah, I'd say. It's that, not that, like there were men that don't read that. I have, I have recommended that series to so many male acquaintances of mine, and to a number, they have all loved it. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's got that, like, it's got, and I think it's it also has like a cool vibe. It's to got it. cool, it's like sort of accessible because there's like, you can kind of, 
the world feels very current and like very yeah. real and like somewhere you could live and like there's an interesting mythology and she's a mechanic and that's cool and there's just so much in that series that I think has appealed a lot to different types of readers yeah and so like for someone like for a bookstore who's like business is hopefully they're they're wanting to make money to have that not be good enough to be in the walls of their bookstore there Books like it wasn't, them. yeah, it wasn't like, a, oh, well, we don't carry that, but we can order that in for you. It was like, oh, like, we don't want that touching our shelves. Yeah. Like, like, that's like, and those books are like, I think that one was like a hardcover even maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But like, those are, you know. But her like, books are really popular, and she is a really cool lady. She's like, such a cool anybody lady. Anybody has an opportunity to, even if you don't read her books, books you should just go, go see her. See her because she is, she's very cool. She is. She's really, she's so nice, and she's so smart, and yeah. she's just, and her she, fans, like, I mean, she had a vine that was so long, like, Powell's was, like, closing. They were like, turning out the lights. Yeah, and she's like, I will make sure to sign every book. You guys stay as long as you want. I'm sure the Powell's people oh, yeah. really appreciated that from her, but... <laughs> Whatever. No, like, a, but, and she would. She made. She didn't rush through anything. She, she talked made time to, for everybody. There were people she line. met at signings before that she remembered. I mean, she was yeah. amazing. Like I like I. I have nothing but wonderful. Like, she's one of the coolest authors I've met in terms of just like yeah. Like she's just so wonderful with her yeah. fans and like answering questions. And like I'm sure she gets questions all the time. And yeah. she was just like so enthusiastic and so great with them and just. You know, and people were asking, like, kind of these crazy scenarios, like, so what if such and such thing in this world, like, and then this happened, like, these crazy scenarios they thought through, like, yeah. would such and such... Well, I think that they should be dealing with on their own fan fiction writing, <laughs> yes. line, you know? And you wondered, kind of like, okay, so is this for your fan fiction? Like, is this, like, <laughs> did someone criticize this on fanfic.net? And you're like, I mean, it was just, like, and you're trying to get, like, the official way in. I mean, some really weird scenarios, yeah. people, you know, like, if the vampires did da-da-da... So I just, I, I just think that's so interesting how, like, it's such an institutionalized thing that, like, genres, certain genres are cracked on, and then even within the genres, there's, like, there, this, there are, like, levels. these tiers, and, like, a lot of it is gendered, like, yeah. a lot of it is, like, what's considered, like, popular and, like, appeal to the masses, mm-hmm. like, that kind of thing, like, it was clearly, like, the sci-fi dude was, like, I don't want to have things in here that are going to be accessible and appealing to, like, a white audience. Yeah. Like, you women. Know? Yeah. You know, the, those, like, why is, those like, people that are, like, like 51% like, of the population. Why is the fantasy you know? of, like, military sci-fi, like, more, like, hard and real than, yeah. like, the fantasy of, like, a romance on a spaceship? Yeah. I mean, I don't see the, like, both of them sort of seem pretty fantastical to me. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, maybe we should end on that note. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think we've. Actually managed to get through most of what we wanted to say. In fact, I might even in less than an hour and a half. I know. (laughs) Shockingly. Shockingly. So it's just, it's really interesting to me. That's what I got to say about it. So do you guys have thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, if if, if we have managed to to not piss off every single one of our listeners... I know. I feel like we've managed to insult like, like, authors I, and readers and I know. publishers and editors. I know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so at this point, we have, like, one, one listener left, maybe. It's like, you know, we really appreciate, like, the couple of thousand of you who are, like, okay, that's weird. But, like, who are loyal listeners. But now we have two left. <laughs> Thanks for 
listening to the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. Be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com or on Twitter at Full Shelves. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Until next time, Clear Eyes Full Shelves can't lose.